Thank you for joining us. Remember, you can watch our services live and view our archive at StevensCreekChurch.com, the Stevens Creek app, or on our Roku channel. And if our ministries have touched your life, we'd love to hear about it. Send us an email to mystory@stevenscreekchurch.com. We hope today's message encourages and inspires you. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those watching online. It is a big day at Stevens Creek because it is graduation Sunday. I'll tell you, if you are graduating or if you have a family member uh, graduating, you know that it's a big deal. It is a big deal whether it's college or high school or whatever. Um, this week, my grandson graduates from kindergarten. Not quite a biggest deal, but it's still another thing. And, you know, we often call this a commencement. And so many times people think about commencement meaning uh, that's an end of a season. This is the end of your high school career or your college career. But really, commencement means beginning. And so as we talk through the message today, it's, just think about that. Um, many of you are starting a new chapter in your life, whether it's a, at a new school or a new job or maybe a new opportunity. And so just let that think about how God can um, help you and guide you as you embrace that. Before we dive in, you know, I like to start with something funny. I heard about this lady that had a dream that on her birthday she received a diamond necklace. Now, she was a little confused, and she went to her husband. She said, honey, said, I had this dream that I got a diamond necklace for my birthday. What do you think that means? And he said, well, I don't know, but you know, we'll see on your birthday. And then a couple of days later, she had the dream again. She said, honey, I had the same dream again about a diamond necklace. What do you think that means? You'll find out on your birthday. A few days later, she had this dream for the third time. She said, honey, I've had the dream about the diamond necklace again. What do you think that means? She, he said, wait till your birthday. So on the, her birthday, they get to the restaurant to celebrate her birthday, and he brought this little gift neatly uh, packaged, and she was so excited. And so he said, happy birthday. She unwrapped it. It was a book on how to interpret dreams. That's not what she expected, and he didn't get what he expected that night either. Um, <laughs> all of us have dreams. All of us have dreams, and we have desires in our life. You know, we have things that we want to accomplish. Maybe your dream is to finish your education. Maybe your dream is to pay off your house. Maybe you have a dream that you want to get through this illness, or you want to break an addiction. And all of these dreams that we have, they're so big to us. But even though your dreams may be big to you, they're not big to God. God is big. He created the universe. God is so big that he spoke and the worlds were formed. Uh, he created light and darkness. God is so big that he could speak and your life can ch be changed. And we think about the bigness of God and then we understand that God has a plan for each one of us. God has a plan for your life. And here's what I want you to know, that God's dream for your life is bigger than your dream for your life. God's dream for your life is bigger. It's bigger. All of you have plans, but God's dream for your life is bigger than what you even imagine. Every, and when God wants to do something in your life, he starts with a dream. 
Nothing starts happening until somebody starts dreaming. Every great accomplishment first began by a God-given dream in somebody's mind. God gave Noah the dream of building an ark. God gave Moses the dream of setting the Israelites free from slavery. God gave David the king of becoming, the dream of becoming a king. God gave Nehemiah the dream of rebuilding the wall around Jerusalem. God gave the Old Testament Joseph the dream of becoming a ruler. And that's who we're going to talk about today. You know, there are two Josephs in Scripture. We know about the Joseph in the New Testament. The Joseph in the New Testament, Joseph and Mary, it's the story of Bethlehem. But there's a guy named Joseph in the Old Testament. We kind of, we tag him as the coat of many colors, Joseph. Joseph, what we know about him in the Old Testament is he was a dreamer. And his story is told in the book of Genesis, beginning with chapter 37, all the way through the end of the book. And over the next few minutes, I just want to hit some highlights of his story to give you just the Cliff Notes version, the snapshot of his story. We open up to Genesis 37 and and verse 5, and it has these words, Joseph had a dream. Joseph had a dream. Here's the point. When God wants to do something in your life, he starts with a dream. When God wants to do something in your life, he starts with a dream. Joseph was a teenager when God gave him this dream of being a great ruler. He was a teenager. He was so excited when he felt this prompting and he felt this dream come on. To the point, he ran and told his brothers all about it. He kind of shows his youthfulness there because it was not a good idea. He didn't use wisdom to tell his brothers. He should have kept that to himself. Some people cannot handle what God has put in your heart. They just can't handle it. And that dream you have, that vision, that that, uh, longing you have, that is for you right now and for such a time as this. Now, his brothers, they didn't celebrate the dream. They were jealous, and they were critical, and they found a lot of fault with it. And one day, uh, Joseph went to see his ten brothers, and when he walked up, he could hear one of them sarcastically say, Oh, here comes that dreamer. And he can tell that they were upset with him. But you know what? They were not really upset with him because of he was the, the baby of the family. He was the father's favorite. They were not upset because he was wearing a coat of many colors. I think they were offended because he was determined to break out of the mold. He was determined to do something great. He was determined to leave his mark on the world. And they didn't like that. They would be okay if Joseph had said, hey, I'm just going to fall in line. I'm just going to live an average kind of life. They would be content with Joseph being average. But when God starts to give you a dream and vision and things start to move in your life, when you start to believe that you can accomplish that, when you believe that you can overcome that obstacle, that you can get through that illness, that you can pay off that house, that you can break that addiction, 
When you start to have those beliefs inside of you, what you're going to discover is you're going to have some detractors along the way because everybody is not going to embrace the dream that God has given you. And there's going to be some people that are jealous of you and jealous of your dreams. And as a result of that, they're going to try to make you look bad. They're going to try to talk you out of it, saying, who do you think you are? You can't do that. They'll remind you that you don't have the experience. You don't have the know-how. They'll say, oh, you've tried this before. And here you go again. You've tried it three times. You failed every time. What makes you think you can do anything different this time? I want you to hear this. People do not determine your destiny. God does. People do not determine your destiny. God does. The critics can't stop what God has put in your heart. They may come as naysayers. They may speak down to you. They may speak evil to you. They may try to hurt you. But hear this. What they do to try to harm you, God is going to turn it around and God will bring something good out of it. Joseph's own brothers tried to push him down. Sometimes it's your your own relatives that don't get it. Your own relatives won't support you. Sometimes it's your own relatives. Those closest to you, they just, they can't get what God is doing inside of you. So what I'd say to you is focus on God's will and God's dream for your life. Focus on God's vision and don't get distracted by the naysayers and the critics that come your way. Now, I'm speaking to graduates today, but I'm also speaking for those individuals who are longing for a new opportunity. I'm speaking to those individuals that you have a dream for your life and you have a dream for your family. I'm speaking for those that are longing for a change. You want your life to be different next year than it is right now. If you're going to reach your potential, you've got to make up your mind that I am in this to win it. I am in it to win it. I am in here for the long haul. So many times uh, we, we vacillate too much. We go from here to there. But I want you to focus and just say, I'm, I'm here for the long haul, for the good times and the bad times. And, you know, the enemy is going to do whatever he can to stir up defeat in your life. He'll use whatever situation that he can use to get you off track. He knows that you have the potential to do something great. And so he's going to turn up the heat. He's going to do whatever he can to discourage you, to distract you, to keep you from taking that next step. But you can be confident that the forces that are for you are greater than the forces that are against you. Joseph's brothers were jealous of him. And so when he came up, they took him and they bound him and threw him in a cistern, threw him in a pit. And they were going to leave him there to die. And one of the brothers said, oh, we can't let our brother, he's our flesh and blood. We can't let him die in this pit. They looked up and there's a group of Midianites coming and they made a decision to sell their brother as a slave to the Midianites. 
So Joseph was taken, bound. He was sold as a slave. He eventually ended up in uh, the house of Potiphar, a man named Potiphar, and he became a slave in Potiphar's house. And Joseph was a hard worker, and he worked hard for Potiphar, and he got uh, promotion after promotion. And one day, Potiphar's wife took notice of him, and she tried to seduce him. Even to the point where she grabbed his coat and said, come with me. And he ran out the door and said, you can have my coat, but I'm not going to give you my character. And she lied about him. She had him thrown in prison for something that he did not do. And Joseph spent years in prison. And it would have been very easy at this season in his life for him to uh, get bitter and for him to get angry. But you never read in Scripture where Joseph had a bad attitude. You never read where he ever complained. Because Joseph understood the principle that God was working behind the scenes to turn things around so that his plan can be, come to fruition in Joseph's life. And it happened. One night, the king, Pharaoh, had a dream. And he was trying to understand the dream, and he couldn't. So he called his uh, people of wisdom and uh, people that had magic arts to come, and he told them the dream, but they couldn't interpret the dream. During the conversation, someone said, there's a Hebrew boy down in the prison that he interprets dreams. Let's get him. And so they called Joseph up to the king's court. As Joseph is standing there before the king, the king told Joseph the dream. And God gave him the ability to interpret the dream. And he said to the Pharaoh, he said, Pharaoh, he said, your dream is this. There are going to be seven years of an abundant harvest. And then there are going to be seven years of difficult famine. And you are to set aside resources during the abundant years so that you'll have the resources to handle the lean years. Pharaoh believed what he heard. And he respected Joseph for his wisdom. And in that moment, he put Joseph uh, the second in charge of the kingdom. Joseph went from prison to president just like that, just in that moment. That dream that he had all those years ago as a teenager had now come to pass. He became the prime minister of Egypt. But what's interesting is if any of those bad breaks had not had happened, he may have never become king, uh, the prime minister. Just think about that. If his brothers had not been jealous of him, if he had not been thrown into a pit, if he had not been sold as a slave, if he had not been lied about, Uh, by Potiphar's wife, if he had not been put into prison, that he may not have made it to the throne. And what we see is God used every one of those negative situations, those hurtful and painful experiences, to bring something good out of it, to put him on the path that God had for him. And so Joseph is serving, and sure enough, his dream came to pass, the Pharaoh's dream came to pass. There was an abundant harvest, and they placed Joseph as the most important position in all the land, and that is uh, over the food supply. And so he put away food during those seven years. And then things turned, 
And there were seven years of famine. And it was Joseph's responsibility to distribute the food during the hard times. The hard times spread across the land of Egypt and it spilled over into the region around Egypt. It even hit Joseph's family. It hit his brothers and their families. It hit his dad to the point where they needed help. They needed support. They needed food. So Joseph's dad sent the brothers to Egypt to buy food for the family. After a turn of events, there came a moment in this story when his brothers, all uh, 10 of his brothers, are standing before Joseph. Now, they don't recognize their brother Joseph in this moment. They didn't know whatever happened to him. But Joseph recognized his brothers. Joseph recognized them. He knew exactly who they were, and this was his moment. This was his moment that he could get, get, he could get even. This is his moment that he could get back, pay them back for all the heartache and the pain and the injustice. It's a dramatic moment in Joseph's life. But instead of being vindictive, instead of being bitter and angry, instead of wanting payback, Instead of getting revenge, Joseph, we look at Genesis 45 and verse 14. He threw his arms around his brother Benjamin and notice what he did. He wept. He saw his brother Benjamin. He wept. And Benjamin embraced him weeping. And he kissed all of his brothers and he wept over them. At this point, he invited them into the palace. He fed them a meal. He wanted to know about how the family was doing And he said, I want you to go back and I want you to bring my dad here and I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to take care of him. I'm going to take care of your wives, your children. I'm going to take care of all of that. Bring them. And sure enough, Joseph gave them the land of Goshen and they were able to live in Goshen and he took care of his family. Now, it came time for his dad to die. After his dad died, his brothers got really nervous They thought, okay, dad is gone, and now he's going to come after us. And so his brothers, in verse 18, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him, said, we are your slaves. But Joseph said, wait a minute, don't be afraid of me. Am 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 I in the place of God? And notice verse 20. He looked at his brothers and he said, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good. God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph saw the big picture. Joseph saw how God was going to take the negative of his life, the betrayal, the injustice, the lies, all of that, and turn it around and accomplish something good. Joseph had a good attitude because he was able to focus on the dream. He remembered the promise. He remembered what God had spoken. And he knew that God would take the negative things of our lives and turn it around. That's what Paul said. He said, Paul said this, all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. You're going to have challenges in your life. 
You're going to have difficulties in the days ahead. But I want you to be reminded that God has his hand on your life. And God has a dream for your life. And though you may have some setbacks, God has not brought you this far to leave you. God is still directing your steps and he still has you in the palm of his hands. So believe him. I'll just pull back the curtain and just talk from our experience. Patty and I this year will celebrate 36 years of ministry here at the creek. You know the story. We started the church in a borrowed living room with 24 people. After the first year, we had 90 people in that, that small group. The second year, we had 93 people. The third year, after three years, we had 93 people. And after four years, we had 97 people. And it was during that season, probably the second or third year, that I had a piece of paper that was probably about six inches wide and about four inches long. And I had four statements typed out on the piece of paper. And I took that piece of paper and I taped it to my computer monitor. Now, back in those days, computer monitors were huge. Were huge. This is like 89. This is before the, the wall fell, okay? If you studied history um, or slept through that class. But this was in the dark ages. But I had right taped to that monitor, I had four statements. And every day that I went to turn on that computer, I looked at these four statements. These four statements that I'm going to share with you today. And I honestly believe it is statements like this that gave me strength and gave me insight to press through the challenges and to go after the dream that God had put in our hearts. The first statement, there are four things that God can offer you, I had typed out. The first one is a chance to be tested and succeed. God can offer you a chance to be tested and succeed. When God wants to do something in your life, he starts with a dream. This dream is going to test you. This dream is going to challenge you beyond your abilities. Very practically. If your dream is big enough for you to accomplish on your own, you don't need God. But if your dream is so big and so audacious that there is no way that that could ever happen unless God touches you, then you know that that dream is from God. And I believe that God is sitting on the edge of his seat waiting to touch you in that moment. If your dream is so big and so audacious that there is no possible human way to ever accomplish that, then you know you are in a place that you can receive a power greater than yourself to accomplish the dream God has given you. He'll give you a, a chance to be tested and succeed. People often see the success of Stevens Creek Church They see the success of Secure Give or Low Country Clothier, but they don't see the years of testing that went on behind the scenes. 
the years of heartache and the years of pain that it took. They don't see the fact that Patty and I lived in government housing on food stamps. They don't see that. They don't see the times that when even after we moved to Augusta that our cupboards were bare. And there were times when God uh, spoke to people going through a grocery store to buy us groceries so that we would have food in our house. They don't see those moments. All they want to see is the the outward success. But if you have a dream, a God-given dream, that dream is going to be tested and you're going to be tested. And there will be moments that you will go through the fire. There will be moments that you'll go through difficulty. That you will go through the test. And I just want to speak to you that the test is coming. And you've got to make up in your mind right now that you're going to get through that test. But you're not going to get through it on your own. That you truly need a power that is greater than yourself. You need the power of God working on your behalf so that you can get through the test. So that you can get through the challenge. So that you can get through the problem because problems are coming. But you said, oh, I thought the dream was from God. Yeah, the dream was from God. But Joseph will tell you that he was lied about. He was thrown in prison. He was mistreated. Yeah, he was in God's will, but it was a difficult season. There's coming a test. One of the most challenging seasons of our lives was really between 2007 and 2009. We were in a building program here at the church, raising money, attempting to build the next generation building. That's the building we look at right when you walk through the door, all the kids' space and youth space and so forth. Back in those days, I was in charge of that endeavor. Now, at the same time, we had the challenge of life changing. We had two kids in college, and we had one child in high school. And it was during that season that Patty and I second mortgaged our house because God had given me a dream to create a bank card donation system for the local church. Now, in those days, we couldn't afford computer programmers. And if you're going to write software, you've got to have that. And we couldn't afford that like we do now. And so I outsourced that to India. And so I was responsible for managing five programmers from India. Now, I did this for two years. What does that look like? Here's what it looks like. It means that after you've worked all day, that at 10 o'clock at night, you're going to get online, and for the next hour or two, you're going to tell programmers what you want done. They're going to work through the night. Of course, it's daylight in India. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, you're going to get up, and you're going to see what they've done. And you're going to do this day after day for two years. People don't see that part of it. They don't see that part of the struggle. They don't see and understand that also during that time that my dad comes down with a rare bone cancer. And then you see the struggle of trying to get through this building program. God allows you to go through tests so that he can get the junk out of your life, so that he, the impurities can be burned out of your life. So many times people want it. I want it and I want it now, but you can't handle it now. You have to go through the test. 
And little by little, God will give it to you. And little by little, he will expand your territory. Because if he gave it to you all right now, you would crumble under the weight of your success. God is creating a solid foundation for you to build your life on. So don't shortchange this season of the test. Go through the pain. Go through the struggle. Learn what you can. Let the junk get out of your life. Get your focus clear. The success will never come without the test. And I pray that that test will become your testimony. I wrote four statements down when I was 28 years old, and every day I looked at those when I turned on that computer that God is going to offer you a chance to be tested and succeed. There is success coming your way. There's favor coming your way. There's blessing coming your way. And I just want you to be at a place where you can receive all that God has for you. That he will uh, come and pour out his blessing on you. It will be pressed down, running over. Will the blessings of God come on your life to the point where he throws open the windows of heaven. And the Bible says you can't even contain. You can't contain what he has for you. I said, there's four statements. Here's the second one I had written, 28 years old. And God is going to give, offer you an opportunity to be a part of an adventure. Following God is not boring. It's adventuresome. Living the dream is adventuresome. You never know what a day has. I mean, if you are in the center of God's will, you're in a place where, my goodness, anything's possible. And anything may happen today because God is leading you and God is directing you. Like the day I was sitting in my office on Riverwatch Parkway, Old Petersburg Road back then. I'm sitting in my office. I get this phone call from a guy I'd never met before, never seen him. He had never been to the church. He said, I want to come see you. And he came to my office. He sat down. We introduced ourselves. And he said, tell me about your church. I told him about the church. He said, I saw your sign. And I said, yeah, it's our dream to have land over on uh, Stevens Creek Road, but we have to pay off the land before we can build on it. And he said, "Um, okay, the Lord wants me to give you $15,000 if you'll match it. Now, this guy I'd never seen before. He drives, I'd never been to the church, and I want to give you $15,000 if if you match. I said, man, that's great because we owe about $100,000 on the land, and if we do that, we can pay off the you know, that helps us pay off the land. He said, oh, you owe 100, I'll give you 50. And so this guy I'd never seen before is saying, I'm going to give you $50,000 if you'll match it. Now, look, $50,000 is a lot of money right now. But in 1996, 1997, it was a whole lot of money back then, a whole lot. He said, yeah, I'll do that. And he did. And the congregation got behind it, and they matched that and went over. In fact, they raised $87,000 so that we were able to pay off these 18 acres that we're sitting on right now. 
I mean, how random is that? Somebody driving by a sign, God prompts him to go talk to somebody they never seen before and give $50,000. Only God. Only God. God is going to give you an opportunity to be a part of an adventure. To be a part of an adventure. Another thing, we're building this building. We're trying to raise money. We're trying to get a bank loan for the building. Nobody around town wanted to do that back then, 2007, 2008. Does that ring a bell? Okay, they didn't want to do any risky investments during critical times, but we needed money. And so we finally found a credit union on the West Coast that would work with us. And we worked for months, months literally 12 months to get it closed um, because it was a complicated deal. We're a day away from closing on this loan. And the president of Bank of the West was in traffic in San Francisco, driving down, got stuck in traffic. While he's bored in traffic, he turns on talk radio. And when he turned on talk radio, they were talking about Stevens Creek Church and they were talking about uh, Patty and me. And so he heard that story, and I wasn't on the radio, but they were just talking about it, and he wrote my name down. He called me that, that day and said, I want to talk to you, and I want to partner with you and, and uh, with this bank card donation system type thing that you're, you're developing. And I, and I said, what do you do? And he said, well, I, I'm over church lending. I said, oh, I know all about that. I'm about to close on a loan. He said, wait a minute. If you'll do this deal with me, I'll get you a loan for the church. We'll close in 30 days, and I'll save you $160,000. Done. Because he was stuck in traffic and bored, he turned on the radio to hear about Stevens Creek Church, and then in 30 days from that, saved the church $160,000 so that we could close on that loan and build that building. God wants to offer you an opportunity to be a part of an adventure. I'm saying I could tell you story after story about how God gets involved in the dream and God makes a way where there seems to be no way that he takes random people in distant lands to accomplish his mission in your life. The third thing on that little card taped to my computer was this. God is going to offer you a chance to do something well. My dad always taught me, if you're going to do something, you need to do it right. I believe that excellence honors God and inspires people. I think what we do, we need to do it with excellence. I'm not talking about opulence, but I'm saying that you look at what you have and you do the best with what you have. You do the best that you can do with the resources that you have. We need to give our best. When we think about it, God gave his best. Jesus was his best and he gave his best to die on a cross for you and me. And so our response to that is that we should give God our best, which means then we're going to do it, and we're going to do it well, whatever it is. When we embrace this new season in our lives, when we embrace this new educational opportunities, we're going to give it our best. We're going to go the extra mile. We're going to do whatever we can to do it right. 
I believe if you will do what you can do, if you'll do the possible, God will touch you and you'll see impossible things take place before your eyes. Here's the fourth and final one. I said there are four statements written on that card. I'm seeing this. I'm 28 years old. Uh, Day after day, when I turned on the computer, I saw those four statements. Here's the fourth one. God is going to offer you a chance to make a difference. You have a purpose. You have a destiny. God has a plan for your life. Even before you were born, this past week, I was in my my daily Bible reading just happened to be reading Jeremiah chapter 1. And I believe this, this verse speaks to graduates. It speaks to graduates today. It, it speaks to people who have a dream. It speaks to, the, to people who have a vision for a better life. Who have a vision to make this world a better place. Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 4. The word of the Lord came to me. That's Jeremiah saying that. I was there. God spoke to me. The word of the Lord came to me. Now, what did God say? God said this to Jeremiah. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. Jeremiah, before you were born, I knew you. Graduates, before you were born, God knew you. And God set you apart. He has appointed you. He has anointed you. He anointed you. Jeremiah to be a prophet to the nations. Jeremiah's response. Here's a response. Classic. Ah, sovereign Lord, I don't know how to speak. You want me to be a public speaker? I can't talk in front of people. And in addition to that, I am just too young. I'm too young to do this. Then the Lord said, do not say that you are too young. Don't say it. Don't say you're too young. You must go. You must go to everyone I send you and to say whatever I command you. And don't be afraid, for I am with you and I will rescue you, says the Lord. Your life matters. And I believe that on this commencement Sunday... God wants you to use you to make a difference in this world. As young church planters, 26 years old, Patty and I answered the call. God has a calling on your life. And today is commencement Sunday. Let's pray. Father, let your words go deep in our hearts. Let your word expand our vision. And let your word show us our purpose. Father, I pray for the graduates. I pray for their families. I pray, Lord, that this would be a season of expansion. That this would be a season of blessing. Father, as they travel, some joining the army, some going to uh, uh, vocational school, some going to college. Father, as they take this next step, I ask that you would anoint them and that you would guard them and that you would protect them. We speak life over you. We speak this in Jesus' name, and we all pray that in his name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you today. Thanks for listening. 
If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.